As you're being seated, find your Bibles, and we're going to be in James chapter 1 today. James chapter 1, we will begin at verse 5. Now, let me ask you this question. What would you do if tomorrow, actually not tomorrow because it's Memorial Day, but the next day, you received a certified letter, and it was from your long-lost cousin Eddie, and you opened it up, and you discovered that you have inherited $50 million dollars. What would you do? What would you do differently? You say, I'd tithe, right? Uh, well, uh, would you, some of us might buy, buy a new car, maybe buy a new house. Some of you would aim really high and get you some new dockers or something like that. Uh, how many would quit their job? Anybody would quit their job that would admit it? Yeah, a few of you would say, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. Let me ask you this question. What do Nicholas Cage, Kurt Schilling, 50 Cent, Michael Vick and Willie Nelson all have in common. They're not here today. Each of those guys have made millions of dollars and they lost millions of dollars as well. I, I want to talk to you today about one question that if we will learn to ask, it can change everything. Asking this question will shift your perspective. It can bring focus to really confusing circumstances. And learning to ask this question on an ongoing basis can lead you onto the path of spiritual maturity. This question that I'm talking to you about today, it's the difference between seizing a new opportunity and living with regret over missed opportunities. This is often the difference between maturity and immaturity. This question can be the difference between you living a healthy life and you living a life that is marked by sickness. It's the difference between living with security or constantly living in fear. It is possibly the greatest question that you and I could ever learn to ask on a routine basis. So look with me to your Bibles. Verse 5, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. So right here, here's the question that I'm talking about. The best question ever is a single prayer. God, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise things to do? This is one of the greatest questions you can ask yourself in any circumstances. Lord, in, in my finances, in my purchases, there are, there are things that I want. There are things that I want to buy. There are places that I want to go. There are, there are experiences that I want. But, but Lord, help me to understand what is the wise thing to do. Take that question into your relationships. Lord, uh, you know, it, I, it's just a little innocent flirting. Uh, you know, I connect with this person. It, it's really no big deal, but what is the wise thing to do? You can take this question into your parenting. My child is going through a struggle at school. My child is acting out right now. I, I want to react and just t say what I feel, but Lord, help me. I, I need to do what is the wise thing. Sometimes we, we, we need to learn to ask, not what can I do, not what do I want to do, but what is the wise thing to do. So what are the big deals in your life right now? What are the things that when you wake up in the middle of the night are immediately on your mind? What are the things that 
you talk about with your friends, with your spouse? What are the big deals in your life right now? Follow up. Are you asking God to help you see these circumstances with godly wisdom? Here's one of the things that I find that we do a lot. We talk about stuff. We analyze things. Anybody else an analyzer? We analyze it from this angle, this angle, this angle. But how often do we really go to God and say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. Are you asking God on a routine basis for His wisdom? Now, notice that God wants you to have wisdom. God is not a wisdom hoarder. It says if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all. He he wants you to have wisdom. Back on Mother's Day, our family welcomed into our home a three-year-old chocolate Labrador. There she is. And so uh, she, the kids and others had been wanting a Second dog, yeah, she, she likes me. I've been wanting a second dog. Yeah, oh, thanks, Dusty. I appreciate that. And uh, she's on a trial period right now in the home, but something tells me that it'd be more likely that I'd be given back than her. Uh, but my three-year-old, and here's my three-year-old with her there, and my three-year-old, of all the kids, my three-year-old has really bonded with her. Her name's Tater. Yeah, we're, that was what her name was. Stacy's trying to think of another name, but I kind of like Tater. But if you guys think of something better, then tell Stacy, and we'll go with it, okay? But uh, so, so he has really bonded with her, but he can't remember her name, so he calls her that brown dog. So, so the other day, well, we have another lab who's a yellow dog. So the other day, he comes trucking into the living room, and he's like, where's that brown dog? And, and we're like, you mean Tater? Yeah, we're Tater. And, uh, well, well, she's over there. So he, 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 he's kind of an alpha male. I mean, Camden's like, yeah. so he like has her under submission. But he comes in there and he, he starts petting her and he looks at me and she go, he goes, she's not your dog. She's my dog. Nobody else's dog, my dog dog. And you know what? She listens to him more than she does Stacy and me. I mean, he, he, takes, he takes care of her. But he's kind of a tater hoarder. I mean, it's like I, he, he wants the dog to be all of his. Well, sometimes when it comes to wisdom, we take this attitude of, that's mine. I, I guard it. In fact, a, a weak leader is always trying to hoard information. Because if you can become the gatekeeper of information, nobody else can, you're not transparent, you can't really let anybody else see what you know, then it it preserves our status. But God says, when it comes to wisdom, I'm not a hoarder. I, I don't want you to go without. God doesn't say, mine, you can't have it, you you can't touch it. In fact, God says, I want you to have it, but please ask. Come to me. Ask me for perspective. Ask me for wisdom. And God says, I will give it to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. 
So God is more than willing to grant us wisdom. He grants us wisdom when we ask. Did you know that much of prayer is asking for God's wisdom? We often think that prayer is about asking God for stuff, for the things that we want. And so we bring our prayer request to God. And hear me well on this. Nothing wrong with bringing your prayer request to God. But prayer is much more about asking God for what He wants than telling God what you want. And so if you begin making that shift where you realize that when you come to God in prayer, you are ultimately desiring to see His wisdom, to know His wisdom, so that you might bend your will to His, then prayer becomes a process through which you are seeking the presence, the relationship of God, and you're also asking God to give you wisdom to take through the circumstances of life. In fact, this verse that we're talking about today is birthed in the passage that we looked at last week. So let's go back and look at verse 2 real quickly, okay? The Bible says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters. So when are we supposed to consider it a great joy? Whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So verse 2 is counterintuitive. I'm supposed to consider it great joy whenever I go through a trial. Now, why is that? Because we know that God is using this trial to build something within us and to use us for something. So in each of our lives, you're going to face trials. We're going to go through tough times. The Bible never promises that just because you trust in God, everything's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. Sometimes these trials have names. Sometimes the trials that we go through are walking the journey with people that we love the most. Sometimes trials cost us money. Sometimes trials require surgery. Sometimes trials bring new chapters in life and they make us uneasy because it means change is coming. God wants us as brothers and sisters, as Christians, to begin to consider the trial as a joyful opportunity. You see, joy is always anchored in purpose in Scripture. When you are living your life for a purpose, on purpose for a purpose, then even when the circumstances are not pleasant, when the circumstances are difficult, you can still have joy because your life is anchored to the purposes of God. So you ask, Lash, how on earth do I look at this trial with wisdom and as a joyful opportunity? You can see it this way because you know, you know something about your God. You know that all through Scripture, He was at work during people's most difficult times. And so you can take this understanding and know that even in your difficult moments, God is at work in the trials. So the Bible says that God will use this trial to lead us to a destination point. And that destination point is endurance. 
So as you go through the difficult time in faith, God builds within you a greater endurance, and ultimately this leads you to a point of maturity so that you are perfect and complete, not lacking in anything, the Bible says, so that you are able to live out God's mission for your life. God doesn't want you living a life of regrets and wants, but he wants you living a life of deep, deep joy because your life is being lived on purpose with his mission. So God says, ask for wisdom. I want to give you wisdom. Secondly, God grants us this wisdom generously. He's generous about it. I'm so thankful for generous people. People that are understanding that all that we have comes from God, and ultimately whenever we give to God, we can never outgive God because everything we are, everything we have comes from Him. I'm thankful for people in this church who are generous people and have been generous people. You know, with, without generous people who have trusted God and taken steps of faith, we wouldn't be here. Generous people went out on faith to lead us here as a church, this property, this building. Generous people have trusted God to make it happen. I'm thankful that generous people have provided so that we can have air conditioning. Amen? (laughs) You know, all this requires that, that people be generous people without generosity Many of the things that we enjoy, we we don't have. Memorial Day is a time where we remember people who have been willing to give, to give of their lives. And when it comes to God, the Bible says, God is willing to give you wisdom generously. What is this wisdom that God is going to give us? When we are We are wise when our attitude, our thoughts, our will, and our actions come into alignment to bring glory to God. We are wise when our attitude, our thoughts, our will, and our actions come into alignment so that we are bringing glory to God in everything. And God says, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know what steps to take, ask me, ask me, and I will show you. I will show you how you can honor me in this relationship. I will show you how you can honor me in your finances, at work, in this trial. I will give you a heavenly perspective to earthly circumstances. So what does this look like? in real life. Well, a wise parent parents so that the child can bring honor to God. The most significant thing that you as a parent or a grandparent can do in your child's life is to guide them and shepherd them to discover God's mission for their life and then equip them to spiritually live out that mission. Scriptures talk about train up a child in the way that they should go. You may have discovered this with your children. Each of them are a little bit different. You ever discovered that? They have different personalities, different bents. 
And one of our roles as parents, a primary role of parent, is to raise them and train them up so that they are able to discover this is why God created me, this is his mission for my life, and then to equip them so that they might be able to live out that mission for their life. That, that's how a wise parent begins to look at it. An unwise parent is just always coddling the child, spoiling the child, pleasing the what, what do you want? Okay, I'll, I'll do it. And they almost serve the child. A, a wise couple manages finances in such a way that they try to bring honor to God. An unwise couple will spend money casually. They'll get an adrenaline rush out of stuff, and they'll always find themselves broke. A wise leader will see trials as challenges that have to be navigated and opportunities to grow and to have our faith stretched. An unwise leader will see a trial. You'll throw up your hands and discuss and say, God, what, what are you doing to me? I can't believe this. And then an unwise leader will start playing the blame game, and it's everybody else's fault, and it's God's fault, and it's everybody else's fault, rather than trusting God that he's going to be using this to grow you, to grow your family, to make a difference for his kingdom. How does God transport his wisdom to us? How does this wisdom move from, how does the exchange take place from heaven to earth? Well, God grants us his wisdom in various ways. One of the primary ways that we find God's wisdom is through the study of his word. You, you one of those people that like it when people write something down for you? I am. Stacy sometimes will say to me, hey, listen to this. I'll say, hey, can I read it? Because <laughs> whenever I read it, I, I understand it better. Well, God has actually written down wisdom for us that we can experience through his word. We also find God's wisdom through prayer. As we pray, as we lead our lives, uh, God grants us his wisdom through the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that God gives us his wisdom is through community. Did you know that the Christian life is not to be lived on an island? We're supposed to live the Christian life in community. That's what churches is all about. We're living the Christian life together. And through the community of believers, we challenge each other to understand and to know the wisdom of God. And then the Bible says another way that God gives us his wisdom is through trials. Through trials. Now, thirdly, I want you to realize this. God grants us his wisdom ungrudgingly. God grants us his wisdom ungrudgingly. Whenever you don't know the answer, whenever you come to God seeking wisdom, he doesn't make you feel small because you don't know. God embraces you and desires for you to know his will clearly, and he presents his will to you in a loving fashion. I was listening to a Christian apologist the other day. His name is William Craig Lane. He was on, I was listening to him on YouTube. Uh, pretty good thinker. Uh, he has a lot of good things to say. And the question that he was dealing with is, how do you respond when someone asks you a question and it stumps you? He does debates at colleges and things like that. And he said, when I'm asked a question that stumps me, I've learned to respond this way. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. He said, I've actually found that when we are honest enough to say, I don't know, that people respect that, and then we can begin searching for answers, and perhaps even get together at a later time to talk about some answers. Sometimes we just don't know enough, and we need greater wisdom. Sometimes we don't know because it's, it's not your fault. You just don't know enough yet to discover what is the wise thing. Whenever my little guy uh, dive bombs off the couch, 
It's not his fault. He just doesn't realize yet that that's not a smart idea. After a couple trips to the urgent care, he'll probably get, get the hang of it. I mean, I don't know many 48-year-olds that still dive bomb off their couch. Eventually, you, you figure it out. Teens sometimes wonder, why, why is it that mom and dad are always giving me curfews? Why, why, do, why do they want to monitor my tower, limit my text, and not let me spend all the time that I want to do doing what I do? Well, it's because your parents know that there are certain decisions and relationships that if you go into, they're going to have a massive impact upon your life, and so they're wanting to guide you on the path of, of wisdom and, and help you discover what is the wise ways. And with adults, this happens as well. Sometimes smart people, successful people, godly people have to realize, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I need wisdom. I'm not sure what the answer is. There is a subtle pressure in the Google age to know it all. In fact, there's been a little bit of sociological research uh, that is looking into how adolescence is prolonging in people's lives into the late 20s. And some of that research is beginning to indicate that part of the struggle is that there is a pressure in the information age in which we live to know it all. And because there's all this information available to us, it leads to a saturation of information that causes us almost to be crippled and to not know exactly what to do because there's just so much coming in. And if we don't know the answers, we feel guilty about it or we feel ashamed. Men sometimes can be really bad about this. We think that we're supposed to know it all. That's why we don't read the instructions whenever we try to put something together. It's why it's always her fault when you're frustrated, right? Some of you that play golf, it's why... You haven't broken a hundred in golf despite investing ten years and ten thousand dollars in equipment because you think you know it all and you're not learning. And ladies, let me be fair fair. Know it all attitudes are why sometimes after three, four years, dad still can't babysit because he never does it right. It's why you quietly feel like a failure each night when you close the door. Because outside you're trying to be superwoman but on the inside, you're drowning. We try to appear as if we have all the answers. And whenever we think we know it all, our folly eventually becomes known to all. And God says, ask me. Ask me. Come to me. I'll help you know what the wise thing to do is. You may need to come to me every hour on the hour, but just come to me. And I'll give to you generously. I'm not going to criticize you. I'm not going to make you feel small. I'm not going to say to you, why did you not know that? God says, I'll give you wisdom. But now there's one thing. One thing that in the text, He asks from you. Look at verse 6. He says, but let him ask in faith. So this great question, whenever we ask, Lord, what is the wise thing to do as believers? We are supposed to ask this question in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind, and that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So if you're seeking the wisdom of God, you need to be trusting in the wisdom of God and receiving His answers in faith. Verse 8 says, being double-minded 
and unstable in all his ways. So the Lord says, it's okay for you not to have all the answers, but I need you, I need you to believe this, that I'm in control. You ever seen one of those fishing shows on TV where they fish for crab or lobster or whatever it might be, and those boats are out there on the sea, and they're just going up and down, and the waves are just you know, coming all over the place. He says, this is what it's like when you're double-minded. This is what it's like when you come to God and you don't really have faith in God is you become impulsive. One moment you're like, okay, God, here's my circumstances. I'm bringing them to you, and I trust you. I know you're going to take care of me. And then something happens, and you're like, God, where are you? I was bringing my problems to you. One moment you're walking forward in faith and you feel like, okay, this is what, this is what the Lord said to me to do and I'm going to do it. And then the next moment uh, you begin doubting and instead of following God in faith and being faithful, you start becoming impulsive and you start running away from the plans of God. You become a double-minded person. You become an individual that is just drifting. The Scriptures say continue to push forward in faith. Are you living in faith that leads to trust and wisdom, or are you living in fear that leads to doubt and impulse? Are you living in faith, or are you living in fear? Sometimes we just need to take an impulse test. Go to the very back of your closet and walk from your closet all the way out your garage. And just take inventory of all the impulsive stuff that you've bought for 35 easy payments, right? And think about how many decisions we make based upon impulse. Start looking at your relational history. Have you gone in and out of relationships? Gone in and out of jobs? Sometimes in our financial history, if we're honest with ourselves, we've done a lot on impulse. Sometimes in our spiritual life. Wisdom was there. I just missed it. Because instead of trusting God in faith, I began chasing folly. And God doesn't want you to be unstable. He doesn't want you to be double-minded. He desires for you to be faithful and wise. So let me land all this with one, one final question. What's the big deal? What's the big deal that you're dealing with in life right now? Where is it in your life that you need wisdom? And you need God to reveal some things to you. May we pray about it? Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please? And as a congregation, let's just go into a season of prayer. The band's going to come. They're going to lead us in singing here in a few moments, and we'll have an opportunity to give. With your head bowed, whatever it is that's the big deal in your life right now, would you just identify that to the Lord? Lord, this is what I'm wrestling with. This is where I need wisdom. God says, ask me for wisdom. So would you please just ask the Lord, Father, give me perspective. Give me wisdom to see this with a heavenly mind. God, give me wisdom to see where it is that you are at work.
The Scriptures told us today that as we ask God for wisdom, what He is looking for in you and me is that we will come to Him in faith. It's okay for you not to have all the answers. But God wants you to trust in the one who does. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes one of our prayers needs to be for faith. So perhaps right now you just need to ask God to help you to be faithful. Help you to trust Him. Frequently fear begins to fill us up. We need to ask God to drain that fear and fill us with faith. Would you ask the Lord to help you to mature? To help you to grow? And to use your life in ways that make an eternal difference? Heavenly Father, this morning as a church, we we ask you for wisdom. We ask you that you will help us to see see our community and see our families and see our lives from your heavenly perspective. And Lord, we pray that we might be faithful people. Lord, help us not to trust you one moment and then to be trusting in ourselves the next moment. Help us, Lord, not to go to you for answers and when we receive them to to reject those answers and instead think that we know more. But Lord, help us to be single-minded people of faith that trust you in everything. And Lord, I pray that as you look at our lives, that they might be marked by a godly wisdom. Help us, Lord, to heal from some of the mistakes of the past. And help us, Lord, to go forward in faith, trusting you for all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we worship. Amen. Love you guys. Let's, uh, let's stand. Let's sing. I'm here at the front if I may pray with you about anything. believers in Jesus Christ who yes, trusted him professed that through baptism yes, I understand y'all are coming from another Baptist church as well so well if this is where you think that the Lord has led you it's an honor to be your pastor and I uh, I look forward to walking this journey with you and uh, going through the ups and downs of life and uh, uh, thankful for you thank you sir. let me pray for you please Lord I I uh, pray for Kara, I pray for Clifford, I pray that you might uh, just uh, bless their marriage, bless their home, pray that you might use them in ministry, I pray that you might allow them to enter into a season of tremendous spiritual growth, perspective, 
And Father, I pray that you might give them wisdom to see why it is that you've led them here and that they will mature and grow and serve you and serve your body and to be a part. May they have friendships here that last a lifetime because they're anchored in eternity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely.